Hey, 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 Hawks fans. Welcome to this week's episode of From the Press Box right here at the AHL Report. I am Amy Johnson, your host for today's show and the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report. And I'm joined every week by my fantastic co-host, the one, the only, our founder and editor-in-chief here at Rocket Sports Media, Mr. Rick Stevens. Welcome. It is for us here in the United States, it is the day after tax day, which is which is a good day. <laughs> it's a good day. Uh, did, it's did a good you day. Pay your taxes, and you have uh, enough money left over for uh, snacks because you promised you were going to get snacks for the um, uh, the podcast this week. Well, I do have some snacks. Oh, she does. Although um, eating. Doritos during the show is probably something that nobody listening wants to endure. So I'm just going to, I'm going to have to stare at them for a little while. Um, but uh, yeah, that was Dorito, a, a small stifling little bag of Doritos is after tax day, really all that I could <laughs> muster up because when, <laughs> when you are self-employed and run your own business, um, Refunds are usually not uh, – I, I miss the days when I used to get tax refunds. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> but, yes. Well, you need a little um, bit. You need a little bit to go out tomorrow and buy some cheese balls because tomorrow – and we couldn't postpone the podcast uh, till tomorrow uh, to take advantage, but it's National Cheese Ball Day tomorrow. Oh, no, that's a good one. There are some companies uh, here in the States that make some good um, cheese balls. Like cheese balls, like, like. Yeah, now I'm assuming we're not talking like a ball of cheese, right? Like, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, with, uh, no. Okay. Fancy dinner party or something. Yeah, exactly. Or not so fancy dinner party, whatever you. Um, Well, that's interesting. Cheese ball day tomorrow. Today, it's National Wear Your Pajamas to Work Day. Well, you couldn't tell this me that just before an audio we started? Podcast. Just an audio podcast. <laughs> <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. Are you saying that your PJs that are, wouldn't... Really? Well, for hmm. me, yeah. Really? That could get our ratings would go might go really one in, way or the in other. In one extreme I don't, or another. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> wow, wear your pajamas to work day. Um, I didn't get to do that at all today. Um, I mean, I'm wearing like sweatpants, but that's not really pajamas. Hmm. Well, so far I like both national days. I don't think I can participate in today's. Tomorrow I might, though. Tomorrow I might. And they're different, right? Because you say I, 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 I try not to repeat them, although the pie and the popcorn and that sort of thing, those are kind of, you, you have to get in on those every year. Uh, but uh-huh. then try to find some new ones, too. I like it. I like it. And I must apologize. I, I don't have results from any polls. Oh, yeah. How's week. the poll? I know. The farm animal poll. I know. There was the peanut butter and jelly poll. I missed that. I missed the farm animal poll. I, 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 
I beg forgiveness to our listeners. Um, one of my thousand hats that I wear is that I, one of the other reasons I'm celebrating this today is that the day after tax day is I also do some work uh, for an accounting firm. And so this past week has been a little nutty and uh, the farm animal poll slipped through the cracks. So I'm going to have to, um, going to have to come up with some new polls for this week. I know well, everyone my, is very disappointed. My partner in crime on the Canadians connection podcast, uh, which we've talked about, uh, appears it's, it's a live podcast every Saturday mm-hmm. at one Eastern, um, two thirty Newfoundland time. And then we say Newfoundland time because my partner, Joe Whalen is in St. John's. And, um, he said, uh, listen, I- I'm going to invite, uh, Amy Johnson on the Canadians connection podcast this week. And I said, okay. Um, anything, he said, yeah, she'll be on for the second segment. I said, okay, good, good. Uh, what, what are we going to talk about? He said, well, um, there's that Apple pie, that pie pole and Apple one. So I want her to come on and, and Joe's very serious about his Apple pie. Apparently he, when he sent me a message to, to, to say, Hey, uh, can you come on the show this week? He said, and I said, absolutely. I'd, I'd, I'd love to I'll come talk about the AHL, talk about Laval. Um, and he said, that's great, uh, but I, what I really want to do is defend the honor of apple pie. So. <laughs> He's upset. <laughs> but you're going to talk hockey, too, I hope. You, yes? No? I, 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 I am, I, it's, it's my understanding we're going to talk hockey and pie. So, um, All right. All right. You know. So, yes, I'm, I'm quite excited and, and honored to be uh, joining the Canadians Connection podcast this Saturday afternoon. Um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. You guys do a great job. Uh, again, remember, folks, it's a live show. Uh, while you can listen to it on demand after afterwards, um, it is a live podcast, so you can text in and call in, whatever you want to do while we're on the air. Um, so I encourage everyone to check it out at 1 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Newfoundland time. Lovely. Saturday. Saturday. Allhabs.net. Go to allhabs.net yes. to find it. Find it here on the AHL report. This is the this is Rick and Joe uh, talk everything about the Canadians, about the parent club, about the NHL. So lots to talk about this coming weekend. Um, today, however, we have oh, is there plenty to talk about today? Uh, the Laval Rocket finished out their 2018-19 season last week, Rick, uh, as we had kind of teased a little bit last week and they played three games on the road last week. Uh, we were uh, specifically there in person for two of them on the road. So we're going to just briefly talk about uh, those games and how they went and how Laval ended their season. We've got some exclusive audio from uh, coach Joel Bouchard, as well as a number of the prospects like Kale Fleury and Josh Brooke um, that we want to share with you. Those were interviews that were one-on-one interviews with, with between us and and those particular people. Uh, And then uh, my partner in crime, Chris G who uh, is there in Laval covers home games um, was at Plus Bell yesterday for exit interviews and Laval's postmortem. So we have uh, some audio that he was able to capture yesterday from Lucas Vedemo and Jake Evans. Uh, so we're going to focus on on the young prospects and kind of how their season wrapped up. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of uh, switch gears over to the Flyers organization 
I think there was a little bit of news surrounding the Flyers organization this week. It was some, something minor, I think. Something, some trivial kind of news that happened that, that we're just going to briefly touch on because I didn't think it was anything like, you know, big or, you know, breaking or anything like that. Uh, then in the second segment, we're going to go around the AHL. There is a player of the week. We are going to talk about who that is. But the AHL has also now announced their season-ending award winners. That'll be uh, scoring winners and, and coach of the year and things of that nature. Before we preview, da-da-da-da. yes, the playoffs, the Calder Cup playoffs do begin this week. Uh, and so the division semifinals are the first round best of five um, series. So we're going to preview those series and who to watch out for this week as, as the Calder cup playoffs get underway. And then finally, in our last segment, we go beyond the AHL. We talk about who was it that took home the frozen four championship trophy this year. Uh, In addition to that, we're going to touch on a couple of guys who, uh, had a pretty good, um, pretty notable weekend with the NCAA uh, and beyond that, as well as preview our week ahead uh, as to what we've got going on uh, coverage-wise. Because, hey, just because the regular season is over does not mean that the coverage is done at the AHL report. So top to bottom, we've got a lot to cover. And I'm all set. Are you? I am all set. I'm glad you are all set. Uh, let's, um, Rick, let's kick it off with um, Laval. We, as I said, we, um, they had three games to finish last week. Uh, they were played in Bridgeport. And keep in mind, um, you know, people say, oh, Bridgeport. Well, Bridgeport uh, is sitting solidly in a playoff position. He is Uh, They are ones who will be uh, playing this week in the division semifinals. We'll talk about that in in a few minutes. But um, Laval went into Bridgeport, a pretty tough Bridgeport team. Uh, They kept it interesting, um, but ultimately could not win that one. They dropped that one two to one. Um, Alex Kyle was uh, the only goal scorer in that game. It was a bit of a testy 60 minutes of hockey, lots of roughing calls and slashing calls and bench miners for unsportsmanlike conduct. And it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a friendly game. It's that Dan uh, on and, dead again. My goodness. What a goon. <laughs> Dan on dead has turned into this like <laughs> feisty scrapper. Yeah, he is. He's, he's in there all the time. Um, so a disappointing, uh, particularly after they had been able to win, um, that that game last Saturday, their last home game of the season in in true style against uh, a very good Hershey Bears team. Uh, they went out on the road, dropped their first game two to one uh, in Bridgeport. Then, Rick, we caught up with them in Syracuse on Friday night. And whew, well, mm-hmm. if I had to come up with one adjective for that game, um, it'd be hard to choose which one. <laughs> But just ugly is uh, is one that comes to mind first. Yeah, it was um, it was two nothing, uh, two and a half minutes into the game uh, for Syracuse. Um, 
a tough, a, a real tough start for Connor Lacouve. Um, mm. He mm-hmm. he would last until he allowed a, a third goal, um, and um, quite curious that uh, all three goals uh, were all wrist shots, uh, all to the same place in the net, all to his glove side, and it's something we've talked about before. Um, mm-hmm. Something that um, uh, obviously the scouting port had, uh, had got around because they they fired three in the same place. Connor Lacouve didn't look very good, um, and um, and he was pulled after that. And uh, Michael McNiven came in, and then with Lavelle trying to um, uh, catch up and and uh, run and gun with the likes of the Syracuse Crunch, um, Syracuse put a couple more in, and it was it was the game was out of hand. It was. Um, yeah, it was it was a tough game. Syracuse dominated um uh pretty well start to finish. Um the uh, you know, uh, it was nice to see uh Eddie Pasquale in the net for um um Syracuse and and of course uh uh former a very popular one a, a fan favorite in St. John's uh, both when he was mm-hmm. with the the Winnipeg Jets organization. And then when he hung around and, and, uh, was, um, uh, stay there with, um, uh, the ice caps and, and, um, well, it was both the ice caps, but with the, with the, the jets and, and then with the Canadians. Um, but it was nice to see him. He had a, he had a very solid game, not that he was tested all that much, but, uh, then after the game, he went over to, the Lavelle bench and, and uh, said hello to the training staff. And, and uh, you know, that's a, a real nice story, a real, uh, no one expected him to be the starter in Syracuse. And, and no. um, uh, he's, he's done a great job for them. Um, so, I, well, you know, and, it and was, fact, uh, during... go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, in fact, during the night, many times there was a, you know, much, much like at the bell center, you'll hear, carry 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 chance eddie's got the same thing going on in syracuse in fact they're you know encouraging them up on the jumbotron and eddie had the eddie chance going quite often in that oh, game yeah. uh, which we heard in st john's as well and and uh yeah so it was yeah it's it's nice to yeah, a, a nice guy um you know just everybody loves him and and um uh, although the the laval rocket were not loving him <laughs> that particular Ew. evening well a couple of fights um Hayden Verbeek and Labry had fighting majors uh Michael Pizzetta and Valio had fighting majors um and Josh Brooke even got a 10-minute misconduct for continuing an altercation where he and Cal Foot um look to be giving each other just a great big hug for an extended period of time um Cameron, Cameron Gaunt. And, yeah. Cameron Gaunt. There's a there's a that picture was a that I Alan made a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Alexander Alan got in the face of Cameron Gaunt towards the end of the game. That didn't go. In fact, if if you go in to the uh to AHL dot report and you you we of course encourage you to go to look at all of our uh game recaps. Um but in the, the game recap for that Syracuse game, uh there's a picture that I took uh down at ice level 
of Cameron Gaunt, Alexander Aland face down on the ice, covering his head while Cameron Gaunt is on top of him, just pummeling him and screaming at him with a ref trying to pull him off of Alexander Aland. So <laughs> it's probably not, probably not one that Aland's going to get framed anytime soon. But there was a good news story on, on the there was. side. There was. And there was a young man by the name of Matthew Struthers. We should mention that the final score for this game was five to one. It wasn't. Uh, it it really was was not pretty. Um, but but Rick, Matthew Struthers. But they got one, and uh, it was uh, Matthew Struthers with his first pro goal on the power play, nonetheless. Yeah, um, enthusiastic. Uh, um, Young guy, um, uh, 19 years old, uh, played in junior hockey in the OHL for North Bay um, this season. Uh, a goal scorer there, put up over 80 points, and um, and you could see that he had the he had the goal scoring touch. Uh, he 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 knows where to be on the ice as as far as uh, um, uh, a good spot to to score goals. He had he had. You know, he had his moments. He had um, uh, adjusting to to having to make decisions quicker. Uh, I think I, I pointed out a couple of times where he needed to be a little bit harder on the puck. Um, he was, um, um, you know, it's those kind of attention to details that show you the difference between a player right out of junior and and uh, a more experienced pro. But but for him to get mm-hmm. his his first pro goal, um, he was sure uh, thrilled about it. Yeah, although you know, tempered, uh, you, you can't you can't get too excited uh, when your team loses five one. But uh, a, a big true. moment for 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 him certainly. This was one game. Uh, Josh Brook has had a, a pretty good uh, debut uh, handful of games with the Laval Rocket, and we're going to talk about him a little bit more um, in the following game, their last game of the season against Binghamton. But on this particular night, Rick, I know you had even made a comment at least once while we were in the press box, that this was an evening that Josh Brooks certainly was showing his youth. Well, I think, um, I mean, he's, he's, uh, since he's been up, um, uh, since he, he started with Laval, he's looked, he's looked very poised for, for a young man. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and with his first uh, pro games, very poised, very uh, calm and confident, uh, very assertive. Um, and I think um, he just got, I, I, you know, for a, a player of his talent, things probably come easy in, in, in junior and against uh, a very good team, things weren't coming as easy. And I, I think he was, was caught being um, a little over aggressive and, and chasing the puck and, and not being as as wise about picking his spots, uh, he was trying to make things happen, and and um, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he, he 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 made some plays that caused some um, odd man rushes uh, for Syracuse, and and um, he'll figure that out. Um, it's um, you know it's it's different. It's a different kind of game. Um, he's he's m- more used to being a bit more freewheeling, and and uh, but he's, he, he'll have to recognize that uh, before he makes those decisions that, that uh, he does a quick check and make sure that he's, he's uh, going to have someone to cover him if, if the puck goes the other way. 
Well, in fact, when we spoke to Josh Brook uh, over the weekend, we asked him to describe who he is as a player. What is what is it that fans should uh, expect from him when they watch when they when they watch him play on the ice? And and here's what Josh had to say. Two-way defenseman. I think I, I worry about I worry about the defensive zone first, and then uh, if offense comes, it comes. But uh, I'm not I'm not looking too hard for it. I'm just kind of just trying to play defense and then uh, jump in when I can. <laughs> there was a point. And I think I, I think that's fair. I, I think that's fair. Yes. I think that's how he he played uh, when he was with Moose John. And uh, although I mean his his offensive numbers are quite good. Um, uh, this past year um, in uh, in the in the Western Hockey League, and uh, mm-hmm. but he was certainly he was certainly looking for the offense, and and he you was. know just trying to help his team out, just trying to help them get back into the game, but he was certainly seeking out that offense, and it it got him in a bit of trouble um, on the weekend. However, the next night, uh, the the Rocket traveled to Binghamton. Uh, they actually lost to the, in the conference, Binghamton Devils uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and so this was particularly uh, after having dropped two games in a row and the way, the horrible way in which they lost in Syracuse on Friday night. This This game ended up being kind of a big deal as far as can they turn it around within 24 hours and end the season on a high note. And Rick, my goodness, much like their older brothers, the Montreal Canadiens, uh, did they put on a show on the Saturday night in Binghamton? It was it was something else to watch. Well, it's it's one of those one of those games that the result um, kind of overshadows, you know, what's led up to it, and and um, mm-hmm. uh, it, it was a it was a back and forth game, um, an absolute back and forth game. Um, Binghamton went out uh, and had a, a first period lead, um, a couple goals in the second for for Laval, um, and. Or, sorry for uh, uh, Binghamton. They they took a two one lead. Then, then sorry, I'm, I'm I'm back and forth here. Couple goals for That's Lavelle. Okay. They take a, a, a two to one lead. Then two goals by Binghamton in the last minute of the second period. Um, yep. Which 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 just hurt. Was just a dagger. Uh, really hurt Lavelle. Um, and as you can imagine, um, and the first for a young defenseman there by the name of Grolo. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, coming out in the third period, it was, uh, I would say that, that Binghamton controlled most of the game with their, their three, two lead, most of the third period um, with, with their one goal lead um, until the, the very end of the game. Uh, the very end of the third period, uh, and um, <laughs> it was it was just wild, absolutely it wild. Was. And and then into uh, with with uh, Yevpolov scoring, uh, he intercepted a uh, clearing pass uh, from John Ramage, intercepted it, put it right on his. He knocked it down with his his um, his skate, put it to his stick, and fired it. Um, um, uh, past Johnson and, and Cam Johnson and, and uh, tied it up. Um, with less with, than a minute uh, left. Uh, less than a minute left. And then, mm-hmm. uh, which brought to overtime. And overtime was 
We saw everything in overtime. Absolutely everything. Oh. <laughs> Over overtime was insane. Yevpolov's and the entire bench. I mean, it, it was it was like they had had just won a championship. They went nuts when Yevpolov tied it up with 50 seconds left in the game. Um, it it was it was crazy. So overtime starts. And as you say, Rick, we saw a little bit of everything. I mean, there were crossbars. There were. There were missed shots at every second of the three minutes and 11 seconds that, that there was of the overtime period. You thought for sure a puck was going into someone's net. Um, and there was yeah, and one. It was Yevpilov early, early um, that uh, yeah. a, he, a shot had deflected off of uh, Willette crossbar behind Cam Johnson uh, went the other way. Michael McNiven made, uh, ridiculous save in overtime that I know uh, the broadcaster sitting next to me, Anthony and Raphael, were just um, um, praising him for. Um, uh, there were a couple of breakaways. Belzeal had had a breakaway, but just before, uh, and it was a, a puck that uh, Yevpolov pushed up to him um, just before he he was sent on his breakaway. He had lost his stick, so he raced by the the bench and the first stick that he, he grabbed was um, from six foot four inch. Um, 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 now Brett Lernout. Yes. Brett Lernout's <laughs> uh, long uh, stick. And, and uh, you could see Belzeal trying to harness this stick, <laughs> this stick as he went up the <laughs> ice, right. uh, could not, was trying to stick a handle with it. And the puck kind of rolled off the side and, and he just looked and laughed and, and then returned the stick to uh to Brett Lernout. It was um it was crazy, absolutely crazy. Well, and you even mentioned it in passing to, to Alex uh after the game, uh <laughs> as he as he walked by to get on the bus, he stopped and and was chatting for a moment and you said to him, You're like, Was that Brett Lernout stick? And and just the big grin on his face, he just laughed heartily at at the the hilarity of the situation he couldn't do anything with it it was it was very (laughs) not at all but it was Nikita Yevpilovs again who um you know he had tied it up with less than a minute to go in the third period and then he gets a breakaway of his own comes racing up the ice Uh, again this is something that I was fortunate enough to to capture with the camera lens so if you go to our recap you'll see the moment that the goal is scored uh he comes in on a breakaway hard on cam johnson um and just kind of an innocent little uh little shot that hits uh cam johnson kind of in the arm and yes turn turnaround and look behind him and he, it looked like johnson had swallowed it and so he didn't think he scored and then he's, as he told us after the game, then he looked up and he saw Dan Audette jump over the boards and start screaming and yelling and racing towards him. He's like, oh, I guess I scored the goal. I guess we won the game. <laughs> and, I mean, it was just um, the sheer joy on on that bench's faces. Um, this was the win and the way that they really needed to end this season and, and put there were plenty of ups and downs, I have to say more downs than ups. And, and this was something that they desperately needed to, uh, to finish the season on a high note and, and head into the summer feeling a little bit good about things to come. 
And yeah, you couldn't help feeling a little bad for uh, Cam Johnson, who had played really well. Yeah. Um, and um, on the, just before the Epilogue's winning goal, uh, Alex Belzeal had his second breakaway of the overtime, uh, uh, this time with That's his true. own stick. Um, yes. And, <laughs> and uh, it was unsuccessful, and, and he went by. Um, and uh, racing back to get back into the play was John Ramage, um, the uh, mm-hmm. uh, Devils defenseman. And uh, just the way Cam Johnson was leaning and, and had uh, um, was, was guarding the, the breakaway, uh, he, he was kind of leaning forward and uh, he was clipped um, by probably the, the thigh of, of uh, John Ramage, uh, knocked his, his helmet into the corner, his stick went the other way, um, and he was, he was concussed. Uh, it was pretty clear he, yeah. he was down for a bit. They came out and looked at him. He stayed in the game, uh, but he made a uh, one save after that where he he looked woozy. He um, he try he kind of gloved it and the and the puck fell out of his his glove and um, he didn't look like he knew where it was. So you know when no. when Yevpulov got the chance. Um, and and it it went off yeah it went off uh, Cam Johnson's arm and as you said Yepulov thought it was in the glove um, Cam Johnson didn't didn't look right at all um, no but um, but for Yepulov uh, what what a great way to help the the Laval Rocket finish the season and Yepulov uh, with his 13th goal um, of the year um, and that uh, I mean it doesn't sound like a lot when you put it up against, um, you know, the, the Syracuse roster, but uh, I believe that's good enough for third in goal scoring on, on the Laval rocket. Absolutely. And uh, he was quite pleased with that after the game and should note that Josh Brook had the primary assist on Xavier Wellett's goal in the second period, making that his first professional point, uh, which he was also pretty proud of as mm-hmm. well. Um, so we spoke to a, a number of guys, uh, throughout the the weekend and so forth. Um, there were, uh, Kale Fleury was one that we, we spoke to in Binghamton after that game. He had a couple of things to say just in, in regards to uh, what he learned uh, during this first rookie season of his uh, with Laval and also some things uh, that, that he really took pride in, in his game. So I've got two, two quick quotes here from Kale Fleury. Take a listen to, to what he had to say. Uh, I think for me, it's been with all my partners I've had throughout the year on D. Uh, just like taking little bits from then on and off the ice, like uh, playing with Alzner and Kulak and all that, and a lot of guys with uh, NHL experience. I can just take little things from each of their game and try to implement it in mine. I have a lot of pride in that, uh, just being a reliable guy for the coaches. I think uh, the points will come, but for me, it's just the biggest thing is just uh, having the confidence of the coach to put me out there in those situations and uh, just try not to let them down like that. The thing that I found interesting for, from from Kale about those two quotes is one is that, and he has mentioned this to us before, that he really um, he really values the time that he had to spend with Carl Alsner, and and he even mentions Brett Kulak, um, and and to an extent Xavier Wellett, guys who have had NHL experience, some of them have extensive NHL experience, and that he's just a sponge. He's just trying to soak up everything. And you notice he mentioned on and off the ice. Um, so 
another great example of how Carl Alsner has been a, a positive influence on young defensemen in Laval this season, but also that he's just so proud to know that, um, that he had earned the, the, the confidence of his coaches to put him out there in, in key situations and, and started to rack up the points. And that while he's not particularly out there looking for points that they're coming as he's, getting more comfortable with additional responsibility. So I thought very, very mature responses from, from the young rookie defenseman. And I think that's a good word um, because he has been maturing over the, the course of the season, uh, both on and off the ice. It, we talked about uh, after the interview, we talked about how um, his interview was even quite different from uh, earlier in yes. the season where um, mm-hmm. he was uh, a little more sure of himself uh, he was certainly happy. Um, yes. He was he was he was a bit more emotive than than he had been. Um, mm-hmm. And and on the ice, I think it's um, um, you know his his personality has come out a bit more too, and and uh, he's uh, a little more sure of himself in in taking chances and moving the puck and in taking the the the, the opportunities to to pinch and. And uh, and to get up in the face of of, uh, of uh, forwards, uh, the attackers that come in, I I, I I've liked the um, um, the development we've seen um, um, with him, and and uh, uh, as 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 he particularly noted, that's uh, you know a, a long way. A, a lot of the credit has to go to um, his defensive partners uh, that he's had through the year. Absolutely. Uh, Jake Evans is another uh, young prospect. Um, he's been out of the lineup a little bit uh, due to an injury, but uh, he's another young prospect that, of course, uh, fans of Laval and of Montreal uh, are keen to learn more about. And he spoke to uh, our Chris G and other members of the media yesterday at Exit Interviews. I also have uh, two quotes from from that interview uh, to play for you. One again is what he learned from this season. The other is the thing are the things that he feels he needs to work on uh, this summer to come back and be even stronger next year. For me, I I sometimes do some riskier plays and um, I guess you could get away with it uh, in college. And and, uh, this year you, uh, with the skilled players, they'll they'll capitalize on some of the mistakes you make, so you definitely have to limit those. And um, I think that's for me uh, being more of a consistent play. You have to, to realize that uh, sometimes it's uh, you can't be making those riskier plays. Uh, I think the biggest thing for me is uh, obviously strength and uh, getting bigger and, and being hard to play against, uh, especially in the corners in front of the net, and um, working on my speed, working on that that uh, those first few steps are big for me and. Um, and then my shot, I want to be more of a threat uh, shooting the puck. So um, those will be things I'll be focusing on. This. So, again, a, a, a pretty – Jake Evans is always a pretty uh, – gives a pretty subdued interview, as as you can hear. Um, but, again, a, a fairly mature response. He's He's well aware of the things that he needs to work on this summer, talking about those first few steps uh, for his – his push off and, and things of that nature and, and his speed. Um, and also recognizing, I, I like Rick, how he said, you know, um, I've been known to, to, you know, make some risky plays and 
I learned pretty quickly that I can get away with that in college. Not so much uh, in the in the in the professional hockey world where uh, the skill jumps up quite a bit and guys will take advantage of of mistakes that you make trying to take risks. Yeah, it it's um, sometimes uh, you know the more skilled players, uh, particularly in college or junior hockey, um, can can as he said get away with that, um, but. But players are, are make it to the pro level, even in the AHL, for a reason. Um, and uh, and it's, it's, harder to fool. it's harder to fool guys. And <laughs> there's more of a commitment to defensive hockey. And so, um, and I, I know that, um, you know, there was quite a buzz on social media halfway through the season. Jake Evans got off to a really good start. And, and uh, yes. there was, uh, which, which led to, uh, a number of fans um, trying to make the case that he should be called up. And we were kind of, tra- we we're tamping that down um, because you could see some inconsistencies in his game. Um, hmm. And, um, and, you know, he had a, a, an injury um, earlier in the season and when he came back, he was a lot more tentative. Um, and I think, you know, that there was the wear and tear on him um, as well. Um in the NCAA, the, when he was at Notre Dame, um, he was a big part of that um, that team, um, and so he played a lot of hockey, but just 40 games in the regular season. And and now, when you get into a 76 game season, it's it's a, a whole different thing. And so we, we mm-hmm. saw him um, struggle um, uh, to to maintain that consistency, and and uh, and so it's you know it's the 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 time spent in the AHL, particularly for players like that, uh, like like Jake, uh, is good. And and I expect that that uh, you know uh, he'll he'll spend a fair bit more time next season, uh, so he can uh, learn that grind and 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 learn to be consistent throughout the the full schedule, um, and um, uh, before he's he's ready to make that that big jump to uh, the NHL. Absolutely. And he'll hopefully build on uh, the the points that he put up this season, uh, ending the season with 13 goals and 32 assists for 45 points. So uh, a very, um, very decent uh, rookie season for Jake Evans. Um, You mentioned Rick, the, uh, the difference between, okay, he played a lot of hockey in at the NCAA level, but coming into a 76 game grind uh, is something that a lot of rookies uh, that that's a big adjustment for them. And Lucas Vedemo was another player uh, who's been out with injury lately, who Chris G and other members of the media were had the opportunity to speak with yesterday uh, in Laval at Place Bell. Um, and he talks about that being one of the things that he really had to adjust to this, this season uh, and then follows that up with some comments about how uh, he really appreciated and, and took to the extra responsibility he was given towards the end of the season uh, to heart. Uh, I think I have talked about, like uh, a lot of the, this year about uh, how many games we play and uh, like that was something new for me like to to reset every night in your head like there's a new game and uh, like yeah, you play so many back-to-backs here and uh, like really need to be prepared for every game here and uh, that was something I think that was the biggest thing for me to, to adjust. Yeah I think uh, like yeah, during the season here we got a 
like yeah, a lot of guys traded and uh, injured too so I got a like in the end of the season I got a bigger role offensive too so uh, that was fun and I tried try to take advantage of that and uh, yeah I think yeah, I stepped up my game at the like last 20 games uh, I play, play the yeah I think my play the best hockey yeah do you feel that maybe so uh, glad to hear that Vedemo does feel that that he had progression this year. Uh, he was in fact given uh, more responsibilities. He came kind of got promoted up through the lineup, um, and you know had a had a decent season. Again, um, thirteen goals, sixteen assists for twenty nine points for Lucas Vedemo. Rick, is is that kind of about where you expected him to be, or um, were you looking for more from him? Well, I think I was uh, a little bit frustrated uh, at the, the first half of the season. Uh, the Lucas Vedemo that uh, we got to see in, in Lake Placid uh, several mm-hmm. years ago um, certainly had um, a lot more offensive uh, potential and, and uh, but seemed, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, the Swedes are always given or often given credit for being good two-way hockey players. And, and as uh, uh, Jakob De La Rose and, and, and others have been and and, uh, but sometimes uh, they get then slotted into roles that uh, aren't um, that don't take advantage of their offensive capabilities. And, and I think that was the case a little bit for uh, Lucas Vedemo in, in Jurgarden. Um, it was back in 2014-15. He had 48 points in 34 games, 23 goals. Um, wow. There's some there's some offensive talent there, and I thought it wasn't being well used uh, by the coaching staff early, uh, and then almost by accident because of injuries and whatnot uh, uh, that he was moved up the lineup. And and lo and behold, what happens? Well, he shows that he has a bit of offensive That's talent right. when he's uh, when he's uh, put on the the power play and given uh offensive zone starts and and uh paired with Nikita Yevpolov who those two uh had very good chemistry together and yes so did. i i i think that uh, hopefully um the eyes of the coaching staff have been opened um uh and and they now see that uh maybe they they underestimated uh the kind of uh, offensive impact that that he could have, and and we know that uh, Lavelle, their their major undoing uh, all season was their inability to score goals, and and uh, perhaps having him uh, in a in in a, a more offensive role next season uh, will um, will go towards uh, making up some of that that shortfall. One other player, I think that we should just mention um as someone who we have both talked extensively about how they've this player uh impressed us towards the beginning beginning of the season and despite some adversity and some ups and downs continued to have a a solid progression through their season and and has continued to impress us and so i just want to make sure we give a little bit of recognition to david sklenichka um Rick, this is a guy who, within the first couple of games that you watched him play, you you were impressed with the the raw talent that was there. Yeah, um, when when we saw him early on, uh, this was a guy. This was a guy. This was a puff, puck moving uh, defenseman, and you could see um, what the what the scouts uh, had had seen in him, and um, 
and a reason for um, um, uh, assigning him uh, and uh, and bringing him. But he was he was he his talent was really raw, and he was trying to figure out the North American game and um, you know his his English. Um, um, Michael Moravchik was was a little bit further along uh, with his English, and he was able to help out. The two were inseparable early on. Um, but I started to get a little concerned um, when Sklenichka was uh, was being sat, put in the press box uh, or the bottom pairing, um, you know, uh, and, and displaced by the likes of, um, you know, the players with NHL talent, um, uh, NHL experience to learn um mm-hmm. Willette and Al- Alsner and Kulak and Schlemko and um um it it, it was just uh, it was just unfortunate that that um it must have been very discouraging for him and as he's been put in a position um I I thought he was uh he was very good and one of the better defensemen um on the on the weekend um he's he's really figured things out um and uh it must be a challenge as i said he's still not ready for um his english is still not ready for for interviews so it must be a challenge right. for him um communicating with his teammates and and particularly with Moravchik uh now gone um but he's he's found a way to do it and uh full credit to him um, he's, uh, he's, he's looking very good, uh, on the, the smaller North American shoot of ice. Last grouping of audio clips that we want to share today are a series of three different quotes from Joel Bouchard. Uh, the first two that we're going to play are, are two that came, um, in, uh, yesterday's media scrum at exit interviews that Chris G was able to capture for us. So thanks to him for, for being in, in Laval for that. Um, and then the third one will be uh, kind of a wrap up question that we asked uh, coach Bouchard uh, in Binghamton on Saturday night after the win. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to start with the one I'm admittedly, this is a bit of a lengthy quote. I'm going to let this play because I think this quote is a good summary of of what it's like to get answers from Joel Bouchard. He 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 kind of goes all over the place while he's trying to to really get his point across. Um and it was just kind of an interesting ride that he took uh took takes us on in answering a question uh that asked, okay, uh who do you have players on your roster who uh, can make the jump to the NHL? It's a pretty straightforward end of the season question. Um, And just sit back and listen to how Joel Bouchard answered. Well, it's not my job. It's Mark. And there's too much gap from now. Right now, today, as we're talking, and that's my message to the player. Today, until camp, Oof. need to be better. It's not good enough. Like my message to them, you're not good enough. You have a good progression. I like where you're heading. It's a positive meaning, but not good enough. Because the reality is what they're going to do for the next days. Everybody else in American League or NHL roster or young guys coming up will do something this summer. 
what are they going to do more than the other guys? Because they're all in the jungle of hockey right now. So what are they going to do at camp so Mark and his group and club see them to say, whoa, this guy is way, this guy came to make the team. This guy, that's when it's going to be played. What I think right now, it doesn't matter. Do they have potential? Yeah, a lot of them have potential to be an NHL player. Of course they do. Is it good enough? No. They got to be better. With steps the rally of young player. They got to be better. They got to be better because they have to take a job from somebody else. Or they got to fight with somebody else to get that job. So what they going to do in May, June, July, August? Hey, Alex Burroughs said it. Making the NHL is not a magic trick. He's right. It's what are you going to do more than the other guys? When they do 20 push up, are you going to do 30? That's what is going to give you the chance to be an NHL player. Are you going to go on the ice? If Sidney Crosby goes on the ice all summer to work on his game, I think all our guys should go on the ice and, and work on their game. We agree on that. Well, they do, but what are they going to do with it? So where they are today, I don't care. Where are they going to be in September? And which kind of mindset are they going to have? Are they going to come in to make the team or just to come in to have a cup of tea? I don't know the stick they do, but that's the message we have to them today. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack in that, um, and I'm not going to go with I just I felt, I felt that that was something that you had to listen from start to finish. Yeah complete with ending with, or are they going to come in and have a cup of tea? I mean, <laughs> I, if, if, you know, I, I don't know. Um, is an interesting way to answer what was a very straightforward question. Um, and there were parts of it that I didn't necessarily care for, you know, him, him saying, uh, what can they do right now? I don't really care. Well, mm, no, that goes into it. I mean, <laughs> not everybody is in a position right now that they can make a jump to the NHL. And it's not going to be who does 30 push-ups instead of 20 over the summer that's going to make the difference come training camp time. Um, so it was a very lengthy one minute, 54 second non-answer as far as I was concerned. Um, your thoughts? <laughs> Well, yeah, uh, I, I, lots of thoughts. Um, you know, you <laughs> put yourself in the position of a player who comes in and, and you know, you ask, well, what, 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 what can I do to be better? And that's the kind of answer you get. Do you have any idea what you're supposed to do when you leave the office? No, I don't think so. Um, yeah. But the other part of it, I guess it was, was kind of shocking for me Um is when he said it's not his job, it's Mark's job. Um, Mark Bergevin, uh, that would right, be. Right, to decide who's an um, NHL player. Right. Um, as, as we know, we know how it works, uh, that, that uh, Mark Bergevin and, and Claude Julien, they, they will, you know, have their views, but they don't see the, these players very often. And we know that Mark Bergevin will phone and say, all right, uh, here's what we need. Who do you recommend um, for a call-up? Um, mm-hmm. That's how it works. That's how it's worked. That's how it works for many teams. But that's we know for certain. That's how it works for um, the Montreal Canadiens in, in un, under uh, Mark Bergevin. And if if Bouchard doesn't have an answer, I recommend this per- player because. 
or or maybe maybe that's what you know he he hasn't had that responsibility much this season because the the Montreal no. Canadiens were were more or less healthy so he he didn't really get into that much this year and and but you know if if he works if he makes decisions like he makes decisions um in other realms uh, you know just on gut um then i guess he won't be able to answer that question very clearly it's just what he feels uh at the time uh mm-hmm. that he gets the call um but i i i would have expected i would have expected more i would have expected a bit more um ability to evaluate and and um and and lay it out analytically lay it out um um for both for the benefit of the player um, so right. that they know what to pr- improve on it and for the, the benefit of, of the general manager that you report to um, because he has to trust uh, in, in, um, in the advice of the recommendations that you give him. Now our Chris G also asked Bouchard, uh, you know, what he took away from his, this was his rookie season in in the AHL as a as a head coach, uh, and and asked him what he took away from from the season. Um, and there's throughout the press conference, Bouchard talked about you know that he's he and his coaches needed to be constantly learning as well. He have to constantly evolve because hockey's constantly changing and and things like that. Um, but he keyed in on one aspect of coaching that I guess he feels is is. I mean, I can't put words in his mouth, but it seems that this was a very important aspect of coaching for him, and that's talking to his players. They're hockey players. They need to be coached. They're good guys. You just need to talk to them, to explain to them what you're doing, to let them talk when they have something on their mind, to keep an open-door policy. I played in hockey where coaches always said, uh, my door's always open, but it wasn't really. And um, every time there's something that, you know, even we get mad about wins and losses at time, and then I took the time to talk to the guys and made a difference in their play, I felt. So if I take away pro, junior, peewee, NHL, doesn't matter. You need to be there for your player. You need to talk to them. And you need to make them buy in what you're, you're doing and what you want them to do. And I think it beats X's and O's all day long, to be honest. I think if you have a good bunch of guys that push in the right direction, I think you got it made as a coach. Sometimes it ain't going to be good enough, but at least they're progressing. I even think that sometimes it's better than X's and O's is talking with your players. I think that's one of the most insightful <laughs> And he probably didn't intend that to be, but insightful looks into maybe where, and I'm not saying having a true open door policy with your players isn't a good thing. I do, I do commend him on if that's a goal of his, that he truly wants to be his players to be able to talk to him, but it's not more important than the X's and O's. I hate, I hate to say it. It's a component of coaching. Um, um, talking being a motivational uh, inspirational guy it's absolutely and and sometimes you even see in the coaching staff that you know one one guy leans one way and 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 um and and one of the assistants leans the other way if 
if, if you have the X's and O's strategy guy, uh, maybe that doesn't have to be your forte, but, but you need it there. And I think one of the things that, that we saw um, throughout the season, we, we noticed it quite, quite early on, and it didn't change throughout the year, was compared to other teams, the Laval Rockets uh, did not have a lot of structure. Uh, there was mm-hmm. not a lot of structure to their game. There was, didn't seem to be a lot of uh, set plays. There didn't seem to be a lot of, 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 of schemes. There didn't seem to be a lot of, of uh, puck support. Um, there just seemed to be a whole lot of, of freelancing and individualistic play. And maybe that's because of the lack of, of X's and O's. Uh, and I think it, it, it got themselves in, they got themselves in, in trouble. Um, you know, he, he talked about uh, a little bit about progressing. And, and, and one of the things we heard from him very early on is that um, winning in his mind would always take uh, priority over development. That uh, to develop, you win. Uh, that he didn't believe in sacrificing uh, winning um, to promote development. And sometimes you have to do that in the, in the AHL, that, that uh, in his mind, he would, he would always coach to the clock, always coach to the scoreboard um, uh, and, and uh, development be damned. And, and we saw that, that if that's the case, um, then by his own definition, by his own standards, how much development you have to wonder how much development in his his eyes went on, uh, given that the Laval Rocket finished 27th in the season in the in the league uh, in winning percentage. Now that's only mm-hmm. um, up a couple of ticks from from last season, um, insignificant uh, really statistically, and and um, um, when so much more was promised that, um, you know, much was, was laid at the, uh, was that it was the, the fault, uh, of Sylvain Lefebvre and his development approach that had led to, uh, the, the, the rocket being out of the playoffs and that they were going to make things a whole lot differently, a whole lot different this year from the assembly, uh, the way the team was assembled to the way they played, to the way they practiced, uh, everything was going to be different and it was going to result um, in a playoff appearance. And, and really there was, uh, you know, that didn't happen um, in his terms. Did development happen? We noticed a little bit, but um, certainly could have, have been better. Um, I think that um, I, you know, he, he said that, that it was a, 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 a opportunity to learn uh for the coaching staff and you know we 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 questioned the way that the coaching staff was put together um bouchard himself uh no pro experience daniel jacob no pro experience um and <laughs> burroughs no coaching experience <laughs> whatsoever um mm-hmm. so um i i hope there was a lot of learning going on i hope um, that Joel Bouchard came in and and uh, pretty pretty to the way his his methods that he used in junior hockey. I hope that for him it was a very humbling season. And I hope that he he learned um, that it's a different league than he's he's uh, been exposed to. 
Uh, I, I know he has uh, experience as a as had an experience as a player in the AHL, but um, how different it is to manage a team, to coach a team at a pro level. Um, I think it's it's you know whether he can be an effective coach at this level um, is still an open question. Uh, the jury's still out on that, uh, but I think that I hope that most people can um, uh, recognize that 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 he, as a coach, he came into this season woefully unprepared for the type of uh, type of, of 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 coaching he'd have to do to be successful on the development side and be successful um, on the um, the results side. It's it's interesting that that is that comment that you made just made because the last clip that I want to play from Joel Bouchard is his answer to uh, my question to him in Binghamton on Saturday night to just, you know, they had just won. This is, this isn't okay. He's had a couple of days to reflect and think about what he's going to say at exit interviews and those kinds of things. This was just, they've just finished the season. They've just won. And I said, okay, what's your, what are you taking away? What's your overall, you know, initial reflection of the season and just remember that last comment you just made about about how prepared he was as you listened to this um there's one thing i'm really proud of the guys we have they're unbelievable they've been so strong all year for us working and and getting better and understanding where we're trying to accomplish in the program um i was prepared for every situation in the in the, NH, in the hl i know exactly how this league work and i think we got a to see a lot of the situation but um, I'm very happy about training staff, the medical staff, the coaches, uh, all the players that, you know, I know we're a few games below 500, but with a young group like this, I think it's pretty impressive the way that we competed against the team. So, so maybe that's where the problem lies, is that he thought that he was absolutely prepared for every single situation that was coming well, his way in the age. We, we, in the very simplest forms, we, we know on a couple of occasions, he ran into uh, rules that he was unprepared for rules that he didn't, yeah. he didn't understand or, or, or know. Uh, but that's neither here nor there that I'm, I'm sure. talking more about, um, you know, his, his style. Um, mm-hmm. He, he taught, he, he always, uh, you know, he's, he's, he, recognizes that players are working very hard. Um, and, and I think that's fair that, that the players didn't fail the coach. Uh, they worked, they, a lot of them worked they did. very hard. Uh, they did. I think that, you know, Connor Lacouvet worked as hard as he can, but he's a, sure. an ECHL, he's a mediocre ECHL goaltender. Um, Adams Moisan. Um, I mean, Ryan Culkin, we can go down the list. Um, it's it's the coach who failed the players. Uh, I think not being prepared, not paying more attention, not giving them more structure, not giving them uh, things to rely on, and in the assembly of the the, the team. Um, and we've we've talked about this before. Um, uh, the the you know kind of a go to all season was how young they were. Um, mm-hmm. Joe Bouchard, he, it, it was, I don't think he realized that it was a self-indicting mantra, um, all season saying, uh, you know, how, how young and how inexperienced, well, he put this roster together, he and, and, 
and Mark Bergevin put this roster together. And, and he relied heavily, as we've talked about, on players that he knew, uh, players that he knew from the Armada, players that he knew, and, and foregoing some of the players that, um, you know, we, we've talked about them before. Dan Carr. Dan Carr, um, third in the, um, in the AHL in scoring, um, and he only played uh, two-thirds of the games, 50-some-odd games oh. out of the 76. He had a ridiculous 1.37 um, uh, points per game. Um, he, was, he, was, he had a phenomenal season. Chris Terry still in the top 20 in scoring. Uh, Will Bitten, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, had a very good season and, and, and really given up for nothing. Uh, Zach Redmond, defenseman of the year. Um, Peter Holland in, in, in the top 15. Um, and, and you go on down, down the list. Uh, the choices were made. The team was assembled. And, and it wasn't the players did nothing to do with that. Uh, and, and once on the team, they, you know, they, they did as much as they could. But many players just weren't, um, just weren't adequate. Um, uh, I, and, and I think, you know, not being given the tools. And also, I think the other thing that we heard often throughout the season was, uh, my players are tired. My players are really right. tired. My players are exhausted. Uh, we, mm. heard, we heard this phrase, I don't know how many times. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, you know, we needed something. We needed a, uh, I needed to push them in the, in the second period. I pushed them. Uh, they were really tired. They were exhausted. They had nothing left, so I had to back off. Um, well, why were they so exhausted? And and there's one, and I'll use the the term reporter loosely to apply to him. There was there was one fellow um, who uh, Chris G said last came to a game in November, and he showed up in in um, the clean locker clean out day, and and. Uh, uh, at Place Bell and, and uh, his, his, uh, he, every question he used the word intensity. Oh, we love this intensity. This is, intensity is great. This intensity in practice, this intensity. Well, um, I wonder why all the other teams, uh, you, you know, uh, uh, he was complimenting Joel Bouchard. It's the most intense coach I've ever seen. He's the most intense. It was, it was his placing this badge of honor uh, for intensity. I wonder why other coaches uh, in the AHL don't use that 24-7 nonstop on their players. Um, I wonder why. Might get a little tiring. And, uh, maybe. Um, and, and, and maybe that's something, uh, again, I hope, this, I, I hope when he sits back and thinks about it and privately, maybe, maybe he doesn't have the confidence, Joel Bouchard, that is, to, uh, to, to say it publicly. But I hope it's a real humbling season, so he says, you know what? I, I can't do the same things in a short uh, junior season. Um, um, I can't, I can't do the same things in the AHL that I did in a short junior season. Um, I've got to, I've got to pace these guys. I've got to uh, think about their, their, their strength and their endurance and, and think about their time off and think about all those things uh, and really be a little bit more stri- strategic than emotional in the way I coach this team. Well, time will certainly tell. Uh, it's been a it's been a it's been a roller coaster of a season, uh, to say the least. Um, 
And I think, as you say, the jury's still out on a lot of things. Uh, sophomore season for, for this coach and this new roster and however it shakes out to be come the fall um, is going to be a real test. Um, first season, maybe uh, some some allowances are given, but the second season we'll see um, where things change and what stays the same because there there needs to be – I think there needs to be more things that change than than stay the same, uh, particularly uh, in the standings. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what what really, after a summer of reflection, has been learned. We are going to take one very quick break. We have one message to bring you. Uh, and on the other side of that break, we are going to uh, quickly just talk about some news out of the Flyers organization this week and run down the list of the season-ending award winners for the AHL uh, before we head beyond the AHL and talk a little bit more about some things outside of the American League. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this message. For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to AHL.Report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. Rick, were you surprised to hear uh, already that the Flyers made an announcement yesterday that they have hired a new head coach to replace uh, Scott Gordon? I was not. I was not surprised at all. Um, It it was pretty clear that um, uh, in a couple of the, the, the... news conferences that we've seen with respect to the flyers and their, their, uh, changing management, um, um, change of coach, change of general manager over the course of the season, uh, bringing in Chuck Fletcher, uh, over Ron Hextall that Comcast had kind of, uh, tired of, uh, and when I say Comcast, the owners that they, they seem to be driving the bus, um, for the uh, most part, and they had tired uh, of this uh, patient, patient approach. Uh, they were going to, uh, the bias was going to be for action. I think that was the quote. Um, and, and so that's the, the, the mandate that they've, they've given to a new general manager, Chuck Fletcher. And um, we know that, that Fletcher wanted uh, Joel Quenville and um, and made a hard push uh, to get Joel Quenville, uh, but in the end, uh, Quenville uh, ended up going to the Florida Panthers, uh, re- reunited with Talon, and um, and from what we hear, um, um, as far as guaranteed money, uh, got more in Florida than um, than he would have in Philadelphia. So I think that the Flyers were. Um, all right. Um, and, and it was clear that they wanted a name. They wanted a big name. They wanted to sell a name. They wanted to prove their fans that they were taking action by bringing in a big name. And for them, a big name did not include, um, you know, that going the college route like they did with Hackstall, 
mm-hmm. bringing someone, promoting someone um, as they did um, on an interim basis in Scott Gordon. Um, they wanted, they wanted a bit of a splash. They wanted someone with experience. Uh, and uh, they did that bringing in uh, Alain Vigneault. Yes. Let's take the coach of the Flyers bitter divisional rivals, <laughs> bring him behind the bench. That's not going to make for some interesting Rangers Flyers games uh, coming anytime soon. But, but yes, I agree with you. They were looking for a name, uh, Q was not going to be the one, uh, and so Vigneault comes in. Now, uh, some things uh, of note, uh, he's got experience with Cam Talbot, um, and so as has been reported by uh, our friend Bill Meltzer with the Flyers, um, Ellen could be key in in determining if, if Cam is signed as, as the tandem uh, to play with Carter Hart, um, we already know that the two, those two goaltenders have a lot of respect for one another. They train together in the summer. Uh, and so there's a connection for them there. And now Cam Talbot has a connection with his new head coach. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how, how that all shakes out. Uh, they have not yet determined who his assistant coaches will be. Um, as uh, Meltzer also noted, his tendency for Vigneault is to make sure that one of his assistant coaches has experience as an NHL head coach, um, as he has for a number of his uh, coaching positions. Um, so uh, some speculation that perhaps uh, Terry Murray from the, the Phantoms could come up. Um, and you had mentioned, Rick, you know, that there's there's a particular kind of coach that Alain Vigneault seems seems to like having beside him on the bench. Well, yeah, I, th- I think he's, um, Alain Vigneault is, um, I, I, I don't, I don't, Scott Gordon, um, I, I was very impressed with Scott Gordon. Scott Gordon mm-hmm. is, um, is very uh, skilled at being able to break down, down um, failings. Uh, he, he's, he's, he's very much, uh, if, if we go back to, to a previous segment, um, uh, an X's and O's kind of coach. Um, Vino is, is, um, is a communicator much. I mean, um, Bouchard spoke about communication, but I think Vino does it much better than, than, um, anyone else. He's kind of a Michelle Tarion, uh, but, uh, but, a but an excellent communicator and, and Tarion was <laughs> on the opposite end of that. Um, he's yeah. kind of, kind of a, a Pat Burns kind of, uh, school of coaching, I guess you'd say, uh, kind of an old school coach. He's, He's been. Um, I I think the criticism with him uh, and the Rangers was when the Rangers were in a bit of a transition and and having to um, uh, integrate younger talent that Vino had a hard time doing that. He's, he's had a tendency to um, to be more of a veterans coach and um, and I think the you know the. The evidence uh, for that is is pretty clear. Although Fletcher challenged that in uh, in uh, when he spoke to the press and and said that um, he had some experience bringing um, uh, young players in. That was in Vancouver, kind of at a different time in his his career and in a different assignment. Um, so mm-hmm. it it it's we'll see. Uh, you know I. Um, 
what what kind of coach do the Flyers need? What kind of uh, you know are they uh, are they? Uh, I, we talked about during the when the with the playoffs on. We talked about uh, seeing Craig Berube in, in St. Louis and what he's done with that <laughs> team and and yeah. uh, could he come back? And 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 no, I think the Flyers are are, are a different organization now. Uh, yeah. Last team in the in the league to take a major penalty. Um, um, mm-hmm. or a fighting major this, this season. Fighting major. Um, yeah. um, and they're, they're a different team. And, and uh, certainly Vino had to jump at the chance of getting uh, to work with uh, such a young core, particularly um, a, a, a young defensive core. But I have a feeling it's, it's, uh, the Flyers are going to be quite active this summer in the free agent market and bring in some of those uh, veterans, bring in some of those uh, uh, um, players who can not only who Comcast can sell, but but who Vino can can rely on. Absolutely, uh, that leaves a question mark around Scott Gordon. Uh, According to Chuck Fletcher, uh, the head coaching position at Lehigh Valley is his if he wants it. Um, and I, Gordon has said in the past that he would be willing to return to Lehigh Valley to coach. Um, whether that has changed, we'll probably have to wait a couple of weeks and see once he uh, has some time to sit with the, with the knowledge that he did not win the job uh, for, to be the, the permanent new head coach for the Flyers. Uh, where he will land, and we will be sure to keep everyone posted on that. Um, do you want to quickly mention some award winners here for the AHL? Uh, the CCM AHL Player of the Week uh, is not one whom the Laval Rocket uh, had any contention with uh, at all this season, actually. It's the Iowa Wild goaltender Andrew Hammond, uh, who um, stopped 86 of 90 shots that he faced in three starts last week going 3-0-0 with a 1.30 goals against and a 9.56 save percentage um, and helping the the Iowa Wild secure the franchise's first ever Calder Cup playoff berth. So congratulations to Andrew Hammond on uh, on that uh, achievement. Syracuse Crunch, we just got done talking about what a strong team they have and <laughs> what kind of drubbing they put on Laval on Friday night. And they are all over the season-ending uh, overall league AHL awards this year, Rick. Um, two uh, teammates for the Syracuse Crunch claim both of the AHL scoring titles. Um the John B. Sullenberger Trophy as the leading point scorer in the AHL goes to Carter Verhage. And uh, he and Alex Barry Boulay will share the Millie, Willie Marshall Award as the AHL's leading goal scorer. Um, and so um, lots of offense, <laughs> lots of offense there in Syracuse. Uh, and the two of them both racked up plenty of points on, uh, on Friday night against Laval. In addition to that, you mentioned uh, what a season Eddie Pasquale has had for them in goal. He wins the half Holmes award, um, the Harry half Holmes Memorial award for the 2018, 19 season. Uh, and that is for, the uh, goaltender with at least 25 games played on the team, which allows the fewest goals per game in the regular season. And that goes to Eddie Pasquale. Um, 
the crunch averaged 2.46 goals per game against. Um, and that's, that's pretty, that's pretty good. So Eddie Pasquale also enjoying some success. So Syracuse, Rick, uh, plenty of accolades for the crunch. I think they're going to be contenders here uh, in the Calder cup playoffs. Uh, they should. Um, although the parent team's having a bit of a struggle right now against those upstart, uh, Columbus, <laughs> Columbus Blue Jackets. But that roster, um, Laval failed to to have a 20-goal score uh, this season. Um, it was Alex Belzeal with 19, I believe, on the season. Um, yep. Well, uh, to match that, uh, Syracuse had Taylor Radish um, with 18. Uh, and then they had five uh, uh, goal scorers above that 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 uh, were above the uh, the the twenty goal mark and uh, two above the thirty goal mark. In in as you just mentioned, Barry Boulay, Verhage with over thirty goals. Corey Conacher had uh, um, a twenty plus season. Uh, Andreoff had uh, uh, over twenty goals. Volkov had over twenty goals. Um, and you've still got someone like Boris Kachuk, uh, his his rookie season. I uh, expect him to be up there uh, next year. It's it's a that's a solid roster uh, right now. And uh, with with Tampa as as good a regular seat, one of the be- best regular seasons ever. Um, the stable of talent that they have uh, to draw on uh, for future years. Um, looks pretty pretty exciting for that fan base uh, right now. You've already mentioned uh the top defenseman in the league for the year the Eddie Shore award does go to former uh, Montreal Canadian uh Zach Redmond. Uh so he now this award is voted on coaches by coaches players and members of the media um 21 goals career best uh, for Zach this year, tops all AHL defensemen and 50 points along with a plus 13 rating. Oh, and that was all in just 58 games for the Rochester Americans. So a uh, huge, huge season for Zach Redmond. Uh, he's a piece of the puzzle that I'm sure the Montreal organization um there are those out there on social media today saying that they still think the Habs won that trade. Who did they get in return? Oh, Nicolas Delorier. Delorier may be sitting in their NHL roster, but Zach Redman is the one who's making a bigger impact. Uh, there's just no doubt about that. Um, I would say I would say Buffalo won that trade. Handily. <laughs> yes, handily. Uh, and one last award handed out, of course, um, the Louis A.R. Pierre Memorial Award for the top coach um, this year goes to Mike Vellucci of the Ch- Charlotte Checkers. If you look at what the Checkers have done this season, and again, looking up uh, at their parent club, the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, Vellucci has just has done another outstanding job with his roster, um, top of the league all season, basically, there was no catching them at all this season from from the get go, um, and and very uh, very much uh, deserving for Mike Bellucci to win uh, the coach of the year for the AHL. So congratulations to all of the award winners. Um, and now that you know they put a nice little bow on all of those things for the regular season, Rick, it's it's right into the Calder Cup playoffs, um, and they're not they're not wasting 
any time with it. Uh, the first the first game will take place tomorrow night. That's the Pacific Division semifinals. They kick off tomorrow night, and that's the San Jose Barracuda versus the San Diego Gulls. Um, and then uh, if we take a look at the rest of the, the Western Conference, you've got the Bakersfield Condors playing the Colorado Eagles and the Milwaukee Admirals playing the Iowa Wild. And then the Chicago Wolves taking on the Grand Rapids Griffins. So four really good matchups there uh, in the West. But I think the East is also going to be, I think there's going to be some good hockey in each series in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I agree. Um, it was um, um, a disappointment. I, 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 you know, no question about that, 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 uh, Lehigh Valley gave a, a, a strong push at the end to uh, to try and game in, uh, get into the playoffs and came up a little bit short. Um, so it's going to be Providence uh, facing those those uh, well the best team in in the AHL this season in in the Ch- Charlotte Checkers. Um, Hershey and Bridgeport should be should be a good one. Uh, Syracuse. Yeah. Uh, and Cleveland and, and um, Cleveland just edged out uh, uh, Belleville uh, to to take that last spot, and then uh, the the real uh, cross border um, rivals um, Rochester and the Marley should be uh, incredible. That's going to be a great series. Absolutely, um, and and those games again they all start this week. Keep in mind uh, the first round of the Calder Cup playoffs. This is the division semifinal round. Is a best of five series, not a best of seven. So this series you can win it or lose it just like that in the blink of an eye. So um, be sure you're you're keeping an eye out. We'll have uh, an update. Uh, right before we wrap up the show here in a minute uh, as to uh, the coverage you can expect from the Rocket Sports Media crew, but um, you can head over to AHL TV. They have playoff subscription packages to watch games available now. I think they start at like, well, I think I, I think the most expensive package for the playoffs is like $25 or something like that. So it's not hockey that you're going to want to miss. Uh, make sure, make sure you're uh, kind of tuned in to what's going on with the AHL as the Calder Cup playoffs kick off. Uh, We will take just one very brief, one more quick break. When we come back on the other side, just have a a brief wrap-up of the NCAA uh, and their season, and uh, then we'll tell you where to find us this week. So don't go anywhere right here on From the Press Box. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at The AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report and watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel at All Habs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. So, Rick, the Frozen Four took place uh, last weekend, and uh, it happened to be um, that it turned out the championship game was was between uh, UMass and one of the teams that we were able to cover here at the Midwest Regional uh, in Allentown, which was the University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs. And, uh, man, did the Bulldogs ever win that in style. Big game. It was it was a, a a great tournament. You had uh, UMass uh, uh, sneaking in to the final over Denver, 
um, uh, winning in overtime, um, mm-hmm. beating Denver. Uh, they, they had been, UMass had been up 3-1 in the third period. Denver came back, exciting, tied it up. Um, and then UMass, with the overtime victory, went up against um, what was now a, a, a powerhouse in UMD. And, and uh, when we saw them, um, uh, they, they, they were solid, particularly um, you know, they're, they're, they rely on their, their defensive core and it also uh, helps power their offense. Um, mm-hmm. You have three, uh, three of their defensemen um, who have already been selected in uh, the NHL entry draft. Uh, Scott Perunovich uh, for the blues, uh, Mikey Anderson um, for the Los Angeles Kings and uh, the player I liked, a lot was Dylan Sandberg, uh, the Winnipeg Jets, and and mm-hmm. um, up front uh, there's the Flyers prospect Noah Cates, um, Cole Kapke, who uh, who I liked, another um, uh, Lightning prospect, a scrappy guy, and and uh, fond of going to the front of the net. Uh, Parker McKay, the the captain, uh, the the Wild uh, um, pick, Nick Sweeney. Um, all of them uh, were great. I, the only the only question I had was, uh, I I wasn't crazy about the the technique of Hunter Shepard, but man alive, he got it done <laughs> in the tournament and and yes, uh, got the shutout uh, as uh, as UMD uh, uh, won three nothing in the um, in the championship final and defended their title. They were last year's winners as well, so uh, defended their title to win. Uh, the Frozen Four yet again, and I I will mention this little bit of breaking news that USA Hockey has just put out within the last uh, hour that we've been on the air here, um, and the coach from UMD Men's Hockey, Scott Sandlin, has been announced as USA Hockey's head coach for the 2020 U.S. National Junior Team. So uh, for the World Juniors this year and throughout the uh, – evaluation camps and so forth this summer you'll be seeing a lot more of uh umd's coaching staff as scott sandlin will be heading up the national junior team for usa hockey and he was named um, uh head coach of of the tournament uh, mm-hmm. parker mckay the the mvp of the frozen four absolutely um two uh people also two other players had a pretty um high marks over the weekend. Uh, Caden Primo, who uh, we've talked about here recently, Habs goaltending prospect Caden Primo uh, was awarded the Mike Richter trophy uh, for the most outstanding goalie in the NCAA ranks uh, in Buffalo at the event, the Frozen Four event over the weekend. So congratulations to Caden on, on that recognition and that honor Um, in his season with Northeastern he had a 25-10-1 record in, in 36 appearances with a 2.09 goals against average and a 9.33 save percentage. So a great season there for Caden Primo as he uh, sets up now, having signed with the Canadians uh, to take kind of the next steps in his career. Um, briefly, Rick, speaking of taking next steps in a career, um, Cal McCarr had a bit of a... 72 hour whirlwind this past weekend uh, in Buffalo and beyond, didn't he? Not too bad at all. Um, he's, he's named on Friday, I believe as uh, the Hobie Baker award winner. 
plays in the, the final um, for uh, Massachusetts um, and um, unfortunately loses to, um, uh, to UMD. Uh, he's mm-hmm. at the, the press conference and says he, you know, he uh, really doesn't want to take off his Minutemen um, uh, uniform, <laughs> his jersey. Uh, but right after the game, he signs uh, a contract, his uh, entry-level contract with uh, uh, Colorado, um, heads to a Monday, a game day s- uh, skate with uh, the Avalanche. Uh, inserted in the lineup a, a playoff game, a important playoff game against uh, the Calgary Flames, um, scores a goal on his very first shot in um, in the NHL, um, his his first pro goal, uh, which happens to be the third goal Colorado got, which was the game winner uh, as uh, Colorado beat uh, Calgary six two and and took a two one advantage. So what what a what a ride for Kale McCarr. Absolutely. And hey, just goes to show, guys don't necessarily need to know your system or your breakouts or your power play to put them into a game and let them, uh, just let them do their thing and see what they can do. And sometimes good things happen. It's funny how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, as, uh, as I said, we will have continuing coverage of the Calder Cup playoffs and prospects and lots of things coming up this summer. But most importantly, right now, it is division semifinals for the Calder Cup playoffs. Uh, Rick, our AHL report team, uh, will be providing a little bit of coverage for the Hershey Bears uh, Bridgeport Sound Tigers series. We'll do some live coverage uh, popping in here and there for Hershey. Uh, and you might see us in some other rinks around around the league as the uh, as the as the playoffs progress. So it's uh, last season we had a we had a really great time covering the Phantoms as they went deep into the into the playoffs all the way to the conference finals. And uh, looking forward to to postseason coverage with the Rocket Sports team yet again this year. We saw uh, the Checkers last year during the playoffs. We saw the Marlies and and. Uh... Well, who knows? Maybe see those teams uh, uh, yet again um, as the Calder Cup playoffs uh, get underway, and uh, and we'll continue with our um, AHL dot report coverage and uh, and talk about it here uh, next week on From the Press Box. Absolutely. Be sure to ch- uh, follow us on Twitter at the AHL Report. You can find Rick at All Habs. You can find me at Flyers Roll. And as Rick said, head over to AHL.Report online. Check out the, uh, the game recaps, original photography, post-game audio, and you'll also want to watch uh, the exclusive videos that we have of our one-on-one interviews with Joel Bouchard and a number of players from the Laval Rocket over the weekend. You don't want to miss those. And you don't want to miss us again next week. So be sure you're back here, uh, right here on From the Press Box next week for another exciting episode. We'll have lots of AHL uh, information and action for you. You won't want to miss it. Thanks so much for joining us. Enjoy the playoffs this weekend. And we'll see you right back here next week. Have a good one. And keep on wishing. Remember your dream is your only scheme. So keep on pushing.